This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Making the most of now. Young women in Otatahi Christchurch, New Zealand, talk about living through the earthquakes, the mosque shootings, and the COVID-19 pandemic. These oral histories were recorded by Louise Tapper and Rosemary Duplice. Thanks to the Christchurch branch of the National Council of Women, the Collaborative Trust, and UC Quake Studies. Today, Annie shares her story. Annie is an 18-year-old student who is taking a break from her studies for health reasons. Can you just tell me a bit about your life at the moment? How are things going for you at the moment? What are you up to? Um, not a whole lot. I used to be in study, but I have a few health issues, and because of that, I've had to take a bit of a break. Um, and I'm just yeah, living in a small flat with my uh, partner and our pets, and yeah, just sorting my health out and doing a little bit of study here and there, but not too much. Oh, that's a shame. So you've had to take a break in your study. Yeah, yeah. So I've um, recently been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, um, which is a chronic pain condition, um, and also have a few issues with my joints and instability in them. So I've had to kind of take a bit of a break to um, get ahead of my health so I can do the best and study I can rather than pushing myself too much. Hmm. And what were you studying? Uh, psychology, um, as well as finishing off high school. Mm-hmm. So at the University of Canterbury? Yeah, so I was doing psychology at the University of Canterbury um, and I did a few papers there, not a full course or anything, um, yeah, while I finished year 13 at Hagley. Mm-hmm. And you hope to go back? Yeah, I want to go into full-time study um, to hopefully end up becoming a clinical or forensic psychologist. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. And, and um, how are you finding things at the moment? Yeah, um, things are pretty all right. Yeah, we're just I don't know, pretty chill and cruisy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What about um, if we can go back a bit of earthquake, yeah, Christchurch-related history now? Mm-hmm. And you know, we've had a fair bit flung at us. But what do you remember most about the Canterbury earthquakes? Um, I was pretty young. Um, the first one, the first big one, I just remember. Um, obviously, the event of it. Um, and kind of, yeah, having to huddle in the hallway. Um, and, yeah, uh, the, I think it was one of the, maybe the second or the third biggest one, um, was on my parents' anniversary. Um, and they were going to go out to dinner with um, me and my sister. And my mum was actually trapped in New Brighton um, and my dad was trapped with me in St Martin's um, and my mum was with my younger sister so they were split apart on their anniversary. <laughs> so you were living at home at that time? So Yeah, I was quite young then, didn't know where my mum was. Um, we couldn't get a hold of her either because all the service was down so we didn't know if she was okay and we didn't know anything that was happening. Um, yeah, which was quite scary. <laughs> And you eventually got back together? Yeah. yeah, I think it was the day after she came and I just, yeah, have a vivid memory of her kind of banging on the door crying and she had made her way, um, her parents, because she was trapped with her parents um, 
and they drove her back down here through all the liquefaction and all of that stuff and she got to us eventually but not without quite a bit of trauma. Oh gosh. Mm. Um, so you were at school and what happened for you school-wise after that? Oh yeah, so I would have been at a parlour there at that point um, and yeah, that was, yeah, because I eventually after a power moved to St Martin's um, but yeah, that earthquake, mum was actually going to pick me up, but um, dad had to, but he didn't know he needed to because he didn't know mum was there, and he was in his office and a shelf fell on his head and stuff like that, where, so yeah, I was one of the last people to be picked up from school because no one knew who my parents were, but luckily I was um, close family friends with one of the teachers there, so they stood and stayed with me for a bit until my parents came, and yeah. Do you remember how you felt at that time? Do you remember what it was um, like? Yeah, it was really scary. I didn't really know what was going on. I think at that point we had the one earthquake beforehand, so I kind of knew the earthquake had happened. Um, and I think, yeah, so I understood that an earthquake had happened, but I didn't kind of understand where my parents were. Um, I don't think it quite clicked with me that they were, like, missing in regards to... No one really knew what they were, but... Um, especially my mum, but I don't know, he ended up, my dad ended up coming after a couple of hours, which was good, but definitely scared for mm. <laughs> most of it, yeah. And what about afterwards, was, you know, the ongoing impacts, were there sort of ongoing impacts for you, or how um, did you find that? Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think I ended up having to sleep with my parents in their bed for probably about a year. Um, we all ended up at one point bringing all of our mattresses into the lounge so we could stay in one room together because me and my sister were really scared to be alone. Um, I wouldn't go to the bathroom or go anywhere without at least one of my parents had a fear that an earthquake would happen. Mm, yeah. yeah. So just ongoing, you know, anxious about that. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, school was out for a bit as well. And, um, my dad's close friend, the family friend, their house was completely ruined, so a lot of interaction with them and seeing, I don't know, a lot of the ruin. Our house was relatively fine, apart from lots of cracks in the ceiling, which we had to put buckets down with tea towels at the bottom so it wouldn't be too loud and stuff like that. But other than that, we were lucky to be <laughs> pretty okay. Okay, so so not too much damage to the no, house. just mm. the tiles on the roof, I think, yeah. Mm. But it was more just the fear of ongoing quakes. Yeah, I think it was the fear of being alone again, kind of was a bit scary. Um, yeah, the idea of, I don't know, being in another room from the parent and being tracked there and they were being tracked out or something like that was mm. always a bit of a fear for probably about a year. <laughs> mm. But, yeah. Um, what about the rest of your family? Do, do, you, do you sort of remember, how, how did your parents manage? Yeah. Um, I think my mum was quite scared, especially after being separated from us. I think that bothered her a lot. Um, but other than that, yeah, they were pretty tough. They were pretty all right. Um, yeah. Yeah, because they are no longer together anymore. So soon after the earthquakes, they split up. But I don't think it had anything to do with the earthquakes, mm -hmm. from what I know. But um, yeah, no, they were pretty all right, I think. Mm. And then, what do you remember, um, a bit more recent, about the time of the mosque shootings? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously scary. I was in town at the time it was happening, um, around South City, which was somewhat close, but I think, and I'm very, 
um, privileged to not have been that affected by it, especially since it was not my um, my kind of community and ethnicity being targeted. So I think I, I did feel a bit of, um, yeah, kind of relief that it wasn't me that was having to suffer with it as much as um, other communities. But you know, still scary and gives a sense of unsafe and, um, yeah, kind of feeling like your home's been tainted a little bit. But other than that, yeah. Mm, yeah, that's doesn't it. So, what was happening for you in your life then at that time? Um, I was full time high school at that point, so it was last year. Um, but yeah, I was having sick days all the time, so I wasn't there that often. Um, so yeah, I think I was still living at home at that point as well. Um, but yeah, I think my home life was a bit more treacherous than my experience with them. Yeah. Why do you say that? Oh, just a, a difficult relationship with, I don't know, I think there was, yeah, a bit of a broken family kind of situation, which means that, yeah, I guess my home life wasn't great, which means, I don't know, I'm really lucky to have been able to move out and have the means to have moved out. But, yeah. And and so the, the shootings, you were you said you were upset about, they sort of impacted on your home, you mean Christchurch as yeah. your home? Yeah, um, I think I, I struggled with, kind of feeling like, I don't know, it had been tainted a little bit and, um, yeah, wasn't as safe and peaceful as it was previously and I think a bit of reality check that those things still kind of happen and, um, yeah, I think especially me, I don't experience that much prejudice and absolutely no prejudice from my race um, and I think it was kind of a wake-up call that that still happens and I think because I don't deal with that straight on I didn't really see it happening that often that kind of reality that 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 still happens to people and that really sucks and I think that was quite upsetting for me to realize but yeah so you hadn't really seen anything like you know happening yeah I mean I think I, I've I've dealt with like prejudice from other people um but I kind of hadn't seen I don't know much racism um in my own life, just because I've, most of the people in my life are white, which means that I haven't really um, seen it kind of firsthand, which I think, I yeah, it was quite scary to have a bit of reality check that that still happened. Mm. And, yeah, I think after that, um, and then the stuff that happened in America, I decided to kind of look into it more and see what I could kind of, how I could alter my perceptions and help um, be a better ally to people of colour. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, so do you think that's probably one of the effects the shooting's had on you to make you think more about? Yeah, how I could better interact and, I don't know, yeah, be a better ally was definitely something that, mm. um, yeah, started there and then really flourished with what happened in America and seeing all of that again and then realising that I, don't know, I wasn't being the best ally because I was quite blind to it all and then um, wanting to kind of, yeah, look into it more and see how I could kind of, yeah, have my own education happening around that. So you've just sort of been thinking about it more, have you? Yeah, um, looking at the history of certain things, I mean, I think like with social media following a lot more people of colour and seeing... Um, how they've been saying that white people can um, be better allies, I think, yeah. Mm.
Yeah. It's an interesting impact, isn't it? Yeah. Because, um, has it made you feel more unsafe as a young woman, something like that happening here? Yeah, I think, yeah. I don't know, I think, yeah. Oh, I think the mosque shooting didn't so much do that as I kind of saw that as more of an attack on a certain ethnicity or religion. Um, and because of that, I didn't kind of um, feel any less safe. Um, as I felt less safe because shootings happening. Um, but I don't think I, it was a direct kind of correlation with my gender or anything. Um, but yeah, I, don't know. I found it quite interesting because um, turning 18 recently, kind of going out um, to town and stuff was what made me actually feel less safe than because lots of kind of, I don't know, people not being so great. Um, just to, yeah. Do you not feel particularly safe in town as young women or young women? No, um, especially as a lesbian couple as well. I can, there were several instances where that was kind of being fetishised and um, yeah, that caused us to feel a lot less safe. In, yeah. in central Christchurch at night? Yeah. Mm. What, people shouting out or... Um... Um, people coming up, asking us to make out in front of them. Um, telling, like, I don't know, pushing up against us, saying they want to go and buy us drinks and um, a bunch of stuff. I mean, yeah, not just shouting, like, physically sitting next to us. And, I mean, one man asked us again and again where our male companion was, as if we couldn't leave the house without one, which... I mean, I hadn't experienced that, that obviously in, in my face. Um, yeah. <laughs> was he an older man? Or a I mean, there man? were about four of them, so it depends which yeah. one you're talking about. This was one night, so, I mean, the first one, I would say mid to late 40s, came up to me and um, us and our friend and, yeah, told us he wanted to see us make out and... Um, nearly against me, and yeah, it was no, not nice. Have you heard this, you know, anecdotally happening to others? Or oh, absolutely, it? yeah. I mean, all the time. <laughs> it's not new, it's, I don't know, nearly every female I know has had at least a few instances in which a man has been kind of predatory in some aspect of their life, and I think. It was not, definitely not the first time I had experienced it, but one of the most obvious times I had. Mm. Okay, well that's interesting. <laughs> if we have a look now at the lockdown period, we, we mm. think about COVID and, mm. and what that was like for you. Um, if we can have a look at the lockdown period, which was around about 26th of March, 28th of April, that, that yeah. really you know tough lockdown. Yeah. Um, can you tell me what it was like for you? Um, I think some aspects of it, um, I mean, obviously scary, um, but I think education places like the university and um, high school decided to move everything to online, which um, at that point this year I wasn't able to kind of attend school um, very much because of my health and everything moving to online actually helped me out a lot. Um, I was able to finally do some study um which was really great and I think yeah um 
part of the COVID lockdown was a bit of a respite for me, I think. Um, it was nice, but it was also very difficult and very isolating and feeling like, I don't know, I couldn't see my family and couldn't see my friends, and that was quite difficult. So you found the online learning easier? I mean, yeah, because I wasn't able to go in physically even before the lockdown to school because of my health. So um, I wasn't doing basically any education um, or study but because they all had to move to online because that was the only way to keep going, um, it made things way more accessible for me. And who was in your bubble, in your household bubble with you during that uh, lockdown? So just me and my partner, yeah. And you couldn't see your family then, could you? No. At that time? So it was no. just the two of you and yeah. you couldn't see your friends? And no, no, yeah. Mm. So what was sort of especially difficult about being in lockdown, do you think? Um, I think not being able to see my close friends and family um, felt very isolating, very kind of, yeah, stuck, um, which wasn't nice, but, yeah. Mm. Did you get out at all? Did you get outside or to the shops? Yeah, supermarket was (laughs) highlight of the week. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, other than that, not really. But then you had your study to do at that time. Yeah, I had a bit of study to do. Um, but yeah, so that, that definitely helped me out a bit. But obviously, I don't know, there's only so much study you can do. And then I, don't know, I watched a lot of Netflix. <laughs> Netflix was a bit of a saving grace. <laughs> mm. um, what about, um, okay, you talked about things you had to do differently, like your study. Um, mm. What are some of the other things you had to do differently? Well, I suppose the shopping side. Yeah, um, I mean, not being able to leave the house that much was definitely different. Um, yeah, my ability to, yeah, I think obviously, yeah, shopping and yeah, not being able to see people and not being able to socialise in any way. And I don't know if it was, it was a lot of FaceTiming, which <laughs> I didn't do before lockdown. So, yeah. Did you do, you, you did more of that? You mm, more? Yeah, yeah, to kind of see friends and hang out with them a bit. We FaceTime a few times, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And what were things did you think that um, that you liked about being in lockdown? Were there things that you liked at all? Yeah, um, obviously the fact that people decided to put things online was really beneficial for me. So um, that I think because even... Now we were kind of back in level one, the stuck at having things online more, kind of as a just-in-case measure, which has been very beneficial for me. Um, And I think, yeah, also kind of getting to take a bit of a break at home, um, because that, in the end, is why I decided to kind of focus on my health a bit more, was realising that um, that's more important right now than study, because, you know, being in home... Um, and having the time to take a break did help rather than pushing myself. Yeah. Had you um, looked at that option of doing online before online learning before COVID no. because of your health? No, I hadn't at that point, and then decided to do um, more after. Um, well, not after, but um, during. Yeah, mm. but no, I hadn't. I didn't even think that was an option um, until. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And no one had had suggested that no, as an option? Um, I think because a lot of 
the time with my health it wasn't necessarily that obvious that it was a health I think a lot of people thought um, I was just kind of slacking and not going to school and um, just ditching kind of thing so I think my options weren't always um, given to me yeah because mm. I think a lot of people thought it was a lack of effort, effort rather than um, an illness which yeah we've recently kind of figured out <laughs> So you've only recently sort of figured out what the problems were, really? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, um, yeah, especially people with, they call them invisible illnesses, but chronic illnesses, um, often do get called lazy and kind of not putting enough effort and if we just did better, we'd get things done. But um, And I think because of that, I kind of saw myself as lazy. Um, but I'm kind of now getting to a point realising that there's a real tangible reason I struggle with things that other people don't um, and because I'm realising that I'm realising that I'm not just lazy and I actually <laughs> have reason that I struggle with things but yeah it's taken a while to get there. Mm. You just needed that support from somewhere didn't you? Mm, yeah. Um, and when did things sort of start to change for you in terms of the lockdown? Um, you know was it sort of that move down to level two or level three or when did it start to get better or I mean I think yeah I think for me it was yeah it was definitely better when we started coming out of the heavily restricted levels because I was able to um, go and see friends and feel a bit less isolated um, and it was great that everything kept online I think I'm <laughs> dreading the day that it comes off but um, and I think yeah it's so important that hopefully they do keep it on because it makes education far more accessible to disabled people and people with illnesses and I think it needs to stay that way <laughs> but um, I don't know if that's the plan um, but I think yeah in regards to COVID um, I think things became easier probably around level two coming out of it a bit more. So why was that? I think, yeah, being able to see people, um, kind of getting out of a bit of, I mean, I think when you're stuck inside so much, it's a bit of a um, mental isolation and a bit of, yeah, feeling a bit flat and a bit, yeah, a bit, it's a bit difficult, but I think, I don't know, having, yeah, the transition still be there where they transition to online and being able to kind of get out of that mental isolation was really good. Mm. Did you find you were able to be motivated to do the study, the work, the online work, when you were...? Um, yeah, I think I, I was motivated to do it because I find it important to me. I've always been motivated, um, but I think, yeah, making it more accessible made it so that that motivation could become something. I think before... Um, the motivation just turned into kind of being hard on myself and I want to do this but why can't I kind of thing um, but I think yeah yeah I was able to do things and um, motivate myself to do things that weren't going to harm my health. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of um, being able to get out and about or anything for COVID um, when it got easier was that mm -hmm you know, what other things were you able to get to? Was it, was it you know, previously were you, or you were able to go and see doctors and, yeah, and yeah. get support for your, your health yeah, issues, so, weren't you? So I think, yeah, when we were able to go to the doctors again was when um, 
I was able to kind of start getting diagnosed and stuff. So during COVID, um, yeah, there was a huge bit where nothing was happening um, in regards to figuring out what was going on with my health. Um, and luckily, transition to a new doctor helped that kind of happen. But I had to do a lot of, I think, phone conversations with her, um, which obviously meant she couldn't refer me to places or um, see if my joints were weird or stuff like that because she couldn't physically examine me. Um, but yeah, obviously it, it made it happen faster, being able to um, yeah, go in and see the doctor and getting referred to new doctors and having to get lots of tests, which was able to happen now, which is good. Yeah. So that was sort of round about level three or so, was it? Oh, that was probably a bit more at level two, yeah. Level two, when things started yeah. getting easier to yeah. get some support for mm. that. Mm. Mm. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Um, what about, um, we sort of covered it a little bit, but, but sort of mm. wanting to think about sort of the impacts that COVID might have had on, mm. on your well-being and, you know, how it might have, the pandemic might have changed your life and the the way yeah. you live your life. Do you think it's had some impacts on your on your well being? Um, I I think it's I think it's helped me realise that rest is really important. Um, I think up until COVID happened, the world was very busy, busy and kind of um, always moving and nine to five job kind of thing. And I think it's helped me and other people realise that, um, yeah, taking a break is just as important and just as valid as working really hard and I think um yeah I think it's transitioning into kind of there was a lot of um kind of seeing uh hard work and stuff like that on a bit of a pedestal where I think it's kind of now appreciating rest and the value of rest now and I think that's helped me a lot um and also obviously transitioning to things online I think if they kept it like that would make education so much more accessible for me um hopefully they consider because they did it pretty fast so it didn't seem to be too hard um which I think a lot of what I've realized the kind of chronically on disabled community has been trying to do for a very long time um is wanting to get things online and things more accessible to people and I think they did it so quickly when it came to COVID that I really hope they stuck with it. Mm. I think that would change my life if they stuck with it. But mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So if you had to go back to the way it was, where you have to go to lectures and everything all the time and go to school, yeah. that that would. I yeah, I think I would have to get to a place in which I could. I mean, yeah, my health. Um, is kind of to the point where I struggle to kind of walk for more than 10 minutes. Um, I have to use like mobility aids to do that. So um, the idea of walking around campus for a whole day and being there is quite scary. Um, but I've always been very determined to do something in the psychology field, which is a lot of years of study, <laughs> which means that, yeah, I've got to do it somehow and I will do it somehow. But if they moved it to online... I would have a much easier time mm. with it. Which, yeah. Do you think this pandemic, COVID, has has um, um, impacted on that aspiration to go forward with your psychology um, degree? I think I think more than that, it's um, made me want to do it 
in a way that's healthier for me. I think before I was very goal driven to just get the degree and practice in psychology as quick as I could. Um, and I think that was kind of wearing me down even further, where I think COVID has kind of given me the motivation to do it in a way that I'm going to, I don't know, be healthy and happy while doing it rather than pushing myself beyond my means. Mm-hmm. So COVID's really had, it, had, you know, that's been a positive. Yeah, a lot of aspects of it have been really positive for me, which I'm very <laughs> lucky and privileged to have had that. I think, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, what about, I wonder if there's sort of been any particular event or incident from the pandemic that's affected you. Can you think of any particular incident that's um, been brought about by the pandemic, by COVID? I don't think so. No. Um, sometimes it's, um, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah, in a way sometimes it's for people having lost their job or, you know, having had a loved one um, yeah. who's been, um, you know, affected by it through oh that that's true thank you um yeah so we were planning to move house four weeks later than we did um because the lockdown was happening we had to move in within a week um here actually i completely forgot about that so we were living at my parents and then it was a very quick swift move into wanting to go into level four um, from the government so it was yeah we were planning on moving in four weeks away um, but we actually had to move in and we moved in the day before lockdown happened um, because that was either that or when lockdown finished which would have been a very long time away so yeah um, that definitely changed things I think yeah it was yeah that could have flipped things on its head I would have had to isolate with my family which would have been a very full house um but luckily yeah we were able to come here and just have us which was really nice so just the two of you being in that bubble and that isolation you know was was good yeah yeah and I think being able to have our own flat and um that yeah it definitely gave us something to do um during lockdown was kind of yeah organizing the house how we wanted it and yeah, stuff like that was really nice. And, mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, you're forced to do things inside, aren't you? Because you can't really do much else. No. <laughs> mm. yeah. And all the plants were on sale at Bunnings, so we got a ridiculous amount, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, so that was also good. <laughs> and you sort of touched on this a bit too, about how the mm. pandemic might have affected your thoughts about the future, because you've mm. said it's made you think about the importance of taking a break a bit more. Yeah. What about before the pandemic? Um, did you have other things that you were thinking about apart from perhaps doing your psychology degree? You know, other plans for the future that might yeah. now be impacted by COVID? Um, yeah, I was always pretty one-track-minded, actually. So um, a lot of my goals and aspirations for the future was about the psychology degree. Um, and I think it's changed from that into being less one-track-minded. Um, I think, yeah, I think COVID definitely affected my kind of view of um, the world and how things can change really quickly and kind of not taking every day for granted. Um, 
but yeah, I think the main thing it changed would be kind of changing my perspective from being very one-track minded to realising that a lot of other things, including rest, are really, really important. Mm. Had you thought at any time of leaving Christchurch, or have you, or is that that um, pre, yeah. either before or after COVID? Um, uh, quite a bit before. Um, we were planning to move up to Palmerston North for a bit um, for my partner's possible degree in veterinary science. Um, but yeah, it, it changed for reasons other than COVID. Just, and, and what are your thoughts now about staying in, in, in Christchurch? Has COVID impacted on that, about where you think you might yeah, stay or um, go? Or, or Yeah, I think in regards to, um, yeah, I think before COVID, we kind of had possibly planned to move after I got my degree in psychology. Um, whether that's, yeah, to a place in which I wanted to practice or stuff like that or, um, yeah, and I think the kind of idea of, I guess, following something to another place that I want to study or something like that, um, yeah, has definitely taken a backseat, realising that I think travel is probably going to be a lot harder for quite a long time, mm. um, especially with everyone wanting to restrict the transmission of COVID as much as possible, so I think, yeah, it's possibly a a very long time before travel goes back nearly as as free as it was. Um, I think because of that, yeah, the kind of realisation they'll probably stick in Christchurch for quite a long time. I mean, I want to, um, but kind of less of that freedom to go wherever life takes me was mm. kind of my attitude beforehand and realising that life's probably going to take me back to Christchurch and stay in Christchurch. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What do you think these thoughts about sort of this ongoing pandemic, you know, as a young woman and, mm. you know, the next few years and COVID maybe still being out there, how, how do you think that might impact on you? Um, I think it will, yeah. I think I thought it would, in, it would uh, interfere with interactions with people more than it has. I mean, I thought it was going to be a bit um, more of a case of everyone being a bit more cautious, but I think in New Zealand... Um, we're quite privileged to have very little cases happening right now and because of that I think everyone's pretty relaxed about it. So I think within our kind of New Zealand, especially Christchurch bubble, um, it hasn't interfered with things as much as I thought it would. I think in different countries it would definitely be a different story, but I think, yeah, I think it's going to interfere with me, less than I thought it would, and I think that's because, yeah, the government's doing a really good job. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, wondering who or um, what's been helping you get through this time, or who, or yeah. groups, or what, or... I think definitely my partner has helped. I think without her, um, it would have been quite rough. I think, yeah, kind of having the time to yeah just spend time with her for a month was quite nice um and yeah our pets have definitely been a nice distraction as well well yeah it was my partner actually lost her job <laughs> gosh I'm forgetting all kinds of things aren't I yeah lost her job um because of covid um and yeah so before she was working from six to four and I worked from four to seven um and then I lost my job, um, basically, yeah, due to things that weren't COVID. Um, and then 
lost her job because of COVID. So it was the first time in a while that we were kind of just spending time with each other for hours and days and <laughs> all the time, which was really lovely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what was this job before COVID? Uh, so she worked at a car rental place, yeah. Mm. But they had to let people go? Yeah, well, because with COVID, there was no one wanting to rent cars, so <laughs> I didn't really have any work for anyone to do. And then I guess with um, lockdowns becoming, I mean, the levels becoming less, there was still um, a lot less kind of um, tourists, which was their main source of income for the company, I think. So, mm. yeah, less money, less jobs. So that impacted your financial situation then? It did, um, yeah. We went from yeah having the money of full-time hours to, um, yeah, having to go on the benefit. But um, luckily, yeah, we've got enough to survive and... Were you able to access the wage subsidy? Yeah, yeah. yeah we were. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't. I was able to access so. the wage subsidy. Yeah. yeah. Which mm -hmm. finished when? Finished for a lot earlier than other people just because, um, yeah, she was on a temporary contract. So when the contract was due to end was when they would no longer give her the wage subsidy. Mm -hmm. So we had that much time to get her on the benefit, which was a couple of weeks maybe. And... Mm -hmm. Wins is definitely not the fastest, so... <laughs> so that was quite a drop in, in money coming in, was it? Yeah, it was. Um, but I think with us both being on the benefit, um, it's kind of made up to almost the one income. Yeah. And you're on the fees-free... Um, you know, um... No, so I'm doing what they call a star course, um, ah. which my school, my high school paid for for me, which meant that I had to stay enrolled in Hagley even though I wasn't going to Hagley um, so that I could keep doing the staff course. Mm. Understand, yeah. yeah. And is looking for another job or...? Um, so she has another job. She is a um, carer, um, support worker, sorry. Um, which, yeah, she does via not even part-time hours or maybe part-time hours. Eight to ten hours. Um, Which is minimal, isn't it? Yeah, but mm. we've got the benefit to top that up as well. Um, mm. But she really enjoys it and is, yeah. Mm. So there's been, there's been several COVID impacts in yeah, your life and, you know, for you and... About. <laughs> it's all right for you and your partner, for both yeah. of you, yeah. Um, just just a last thing. I, I wonder, um, in terms of, you know, helping you get through the crisis, you say... Mm. Were there, did you have to find you had to use sort of support services or go and um, I don't I didn't find I did mm -hmm. um, I think yeah moving out of home definitely helped my mental health a lot because um, I've struggled with mental health issues before um, and I think moving out of home I was kind of on a bit of a high through all of COVID for being kind of finally um, in a place that I could make how I wanted it to be I didn't have to deal with um other people's stuff and other people's baggage other than which is quite minimal <laughs> yeah which is really good I have been um, in therapy for about three years and continued that through COVID with phone calls every two weeks and you find that helps yeah I, I found that helped through COVID as well which mm. was good yeah mm. yeah especially through moving house um, just because it was quite scary to move home for the first time I mean I moved out when I was 17 um, so being kind of young and moving out and 
having that was quite scary, but um, it was definitely made better through being able to talk to a therapist, yeah. So that's for three years you've, you've had worked with this therapist yeah. and, and you feel you need to keep on going with that, that really helps you? Yeah, I think for me in the ups and downs of life, especially um, working with new diagnosis and a decline in mobility and health, it's been really benef- beneficial to continue talking to um, a therapist. And I mean, yeah, I'm not going to her for one issue that's continued through my whole life. I'm going to her for, yeah, all the issues that have come up and down through my life. Mm-hmm. So it's been great to kind of um, have her along the way to kind of help me in a professional context, yeah. Do you think that's... I wonder if that's had some... Um, you know, why did you decide you wanted to do psychology? Yeah, um, I think definitely my struggles with mental health mm-hmm. um, and my family's struggles with mental health. Both my parents mm-hmm. are mentally ill. Um, and I think that definitely um, motivated me to go into that field. And I think, um, yeah, having my own issues with health has even further made me want to go into the field. Um, definitely, yeah, helping chronically ill and disabled people would be something I'd love to do. Um, and working with kind of um, people in bigger bodies is something I want to do as well. Um, helping kind of, yeah, yeah, help people with their body image. Um, yeah. Yes, that's fantastic. Mm. And just last, a bit of a tricky question, sort of big picture mm. thinking. Yeah. What do you think could be done to make things better for young women in Christchurch um, at this time? Yeah. And sort of going forward? In regards to COVID? Well, sort of in regards to COVID, but in regard to anything, you know, young women in Christchurch yeah. thinking in the future, what do they need? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think there should be, I don't know, at least what would be great for me would be, I don't know, more kind of groups um, to go and meet young women and stuff like that would be lovely to kind of, yeah, meet other like-minded people. Um, I think also, yeah, more protection um, in places like town would be ideal. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, for instance, that night when I was there and being harassed by a man, um, I kind of tried to talk to one of the staff and they said they couldn't do anything. So I think training staff to be able to handle situations would be really great. Um, yeah. What sort of groups are you thinking of? Um, they're probably out there. Um, I think, yeah, just a place to kind of meet other women would be nice. I mean, I'm sure there's things I could do to get there. I think, yeah. Um, yeah. I think support groups are probably a place to go. I'm not quite sure, but yeah. But do you think maybe that's one of the things that they're out there, but maybe young women don't know they're out there? Yeah, yeah. I think more um, maybe advertising would be ideal for things like that because... Yeah, I certainly don't know where to go to kind of, yeah, meet other people. Yeah. And the safety one is interesting and for yeah. young women in, in Christchurch. Is that yeah. more police? Is that more um, police on the street? or is it I more definitely or don't think what? more police. Um, mm. I think, yeah, I think training, especially mm. in, um, yeah, places that are open late at night, um, training for the staff, hospitality staff or something like that, just for extra to kind of 
how to defuse a situation like that, how to mm. remove someone from the situation, or at least the ability to go get a security guard or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and who do you think needs to make this sort of thing happen? Who, who should be uh-huh. taking charge of this and making things work? I mean, I think, yeah, I think there needs to be more protection in place for young women across the board and I think that starts in places like the government and um, stuff like that but I think yeah I think also businesses need to be responsible for stuff like that when they're having people um, come in and these things are happening under their roof they should be um, at least somewhat responsible for protecting their customers um, Mm. I think but yeah. What about setting up support groups or groups where young women can get together who should be doing that? Um, I think yeah people that can um, support a, I mean obviously, I don't know, um, yeah, I think there's some kind of professional possibly that can kind of be in a situation in case difficult topics come up and stuff like that, so it's, um, yeah, it's, what do you call it, um, monitored, but yeah, young women as well, <laughs> and yeah. Mm. And do you think, you know, young women talking about their own experiences and, and things is a good idea? Or? Absolutely, yeah. I think, yeah, we need to have more of a voice. Um, yeah, definitely. Listen to more stories from Making the Most of Now on Plains FM 96.9, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 5pm. And get the podcast at plainsfm.org.nz, Spotify and Apple Podcasts.